0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Nirvana Sisters, where we discuss all things health and well being to help you achieve your highest state, your Nirvana. Hi, I'm Amy Sherman, a marketing exec with a passion for wellness and beauty.
1: Hi, I'm Katie Chandler, a former fit model that has a passion for health and fitness.
0: We are sisters in law who share the same love for well being, ready to sift through all the self care noise and bring you a splash of what we think is fun. So let's get started. Welcome to Nirvana Sisters, Nirvana Sisters family. We are so excited to have Dr. Rachel Nazarian with us today. Welcome, Dr. Nazarian. We have been wanting to have an amazing dermatologist on the show for a long time. So we're so happy that we got in touch with you to be able to spend time with us today and ask all of our crazy questions to you. So Welcome to the show. A little background on Dr. Nazarian. She is a board-certified dermatologist seeing patients in New York City. She practices various aspects of dermatology, including cosmetic treatments, lasers and injectables, skin cancer screenings, general dermatology, dermatologic surgery, and body contouring. Dr. Nazarian has written many published articles in medical journals, as well as widely respected dermatology textbooks such as treatment of skin disease and buca's emergencies in dermatology hopefully i said that right you are a faculty member at mount sinai medical center's department of dermatology and you are written up in tons of different magazines and articles i've seen you quoted in media print tv i saw you recently in an article in well and good and vogue and harper's bazaar and new beauty and pop sugar and so many more so thank you for being on the show very excited Maybe. to have you here. what an introduction. Oh my goodness. You ever me. what <laughs> hey. an
2: intro. Yeah, I was like listening to it I thought, God, that's why I'm tired. What, would I, what have I been doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? It's It's all so much fun and I love what I do and I love talking about what I do. So I'm happy to go through the whole spiel. Whatever you want to talk about, please ask me. It's what I do all day long with my patients. And honestly, it very, very, very rarely gets old. That's the great thing about this specialty. There's always new stuff coming out and new things to talk about, and it's just so exciting and fun.
0: That's so awesome. Well, we can't wait to get into it, but before we do, we want to take a step back and do our Nirvana of the Week, which is really just when we talk about something positive, something great that brought us joy over the last week that just kind of made us take a step back because we're all so busy and crazy, especially after everything is sort of open now and everyone got back to running around. It's like good to take that step back and think about. Something little or big that gave us joy. So I'll let Katie do her Nirvana, and um, and then I'll and yeah. I'll thanks, Amy.
1: Well, thank you, Doctor Nazarian, for being here. We're really excited, so we appreciate it. Um, but my weekly Nirvana, I would say this week happened yesterday. We, m- for many reasons, my family and I, we haven't had much time to really enjoy the summer yet. So yesterday we had like our first family fun summer day. We were at the pool all day, and the kids were swimming for I think honestly eight hours. And uh, don't worry, we had on SPF and a lot of it, but it was it was great. It was just a lot of fun just to like, you know, not think about anything besides fun. We really needed it. So that so that was uh, that was mine. What about you, Amy?
0: That's good. Oh, I thought you were going to say putting contract on your house, but I guess that's for another episode. We'll (laughs) have to hear about that. I know it's been a journey for you. So I have two. So my kids actually left for sleepaway camp yesterday. So, uh, or not yesterday. What's today? Yeah, they left Saturday. And so that was a little bit... um, bittersweet. I was so happy for them, but also it was kind of this weird feeling, but now we're kind of getting back into the swing and they're having a blast. So that's good. But I guess before they left, we did a night, we went to the pool and it was sort of during that golden hour where the weather's just perfect and it wasn't planned. We just sort of went last minute and They were swimming and we just like ate there, but not even at a table, just at our beach chairs. And it was just one of those casual nights, but one of those that you sort of are like, oh, I'm so appreciative of like my sweet family. It was just a really great moment before they left. And then another little one last night, all the fireflies are starting to come out in my neighborhood. So I went outside last night to do something and I just like literally got stopped because I looked up at the trees and they were so dark, but there were all these fireflies like lighting up and it was so beautiful. And all of our cicadas are now gone. So that was great. Um, so that was just like a little spark of Nirvana that happened last night. What about you, Dr. Nazari? Well, mine is
2: really interesting. So the the last couple of weeks I've been saying, to, he's from Miami, my husband, and I've been saying to him, God, you know what movie I want to watch? I want to watch The Birdcage. You know, it takes place in South Beach, right? I really want to watch The Birdcage. I just really feel like I haven't seen it in years. You know, I've forgotten most of what it's about, but kind of remember the basic premise and and I was flipping through the television. I had a rough day flipping through the TV and miraculously, it just happened to be on and just happened to have just started. Like, I was like maybe 30 minutes, 30 seconds in a minute in. And I called my husband, we sat down, we watched this movie that I've been like begging the universe verse for for weeks now. I have never laughed this hard. I have seen this movie like years ago, right? But for whatever reason, it was like so appropriate for today, for like here and now in the world, politically, whatever it just made, I think I had like stomach pains from laughing so hard at Robin Williams and like this whole brilliant cast. But I was so grateful for these two hours where I was just absorbed in this movie and just loving life and laughing at it and just having a really good time. It was like the most therapeutic two hours I've had in a very, very long time.
0: That sounds so good. Oh, I love that. That's so great. I got to watch that again. I haven't seen that in years. And um, that's so cool. I love that that manifested for you and that you enjoyed it. That's so great. Yeah. That's so great. That's good I love it. Okay, so we're going to get into some quick fire questions before we before we get into it. So, tell us a little bit about your background and how long you've been practicing dermatology and what your specialty is. Sure. So,
2: you kind of touched on it a little bit. I do medical and cosmetic and surgical dermatology. So, basically, I do the basic stuff. This you know the skin checks looking at moles trying to find skin cancers acne psoriasis eczema all the skin diseases we are trained um, to do as dermatologists we go to medical school we have mds we are physicians so medicine first um, and then of course, you know, you, when you have healthy skin, you have beautiful skin. So the cosmetic aspect is so intertwined. Um, and these, you know, these days I do an awful lot of cosmetics too. And that includes lasers and lights and injectables, like the different toxins and fillers, Um, and then surgical. So if I find a skin cancer, we want to take those skin cancers out. So we do surgeries to remove them. Some of people have things like cysts and little tumors like lipomas. We take those out as well. Um, And it makes me feel like I am a tiny little bit like the rest of my family, which is made up of all surgeons, like cardiac surgeons, bariatric surgeons, orthopedic surgeons. And so um, a little bit of my day is basically dedicated to being my version of a surgeon, a dermatologic surgeon. So I I enjoy all of it. And, um, and like I said, I feel like every year there's something new that comes out and something else that I have to learn. And so that's a part of my job too, is just keeping up to date with what's happening in medicine.
1: Nice. And how long Um, have you been practicing? Well, a little shy of a decade formally, but actually, I was
2: involved in dermatology since I was about nineteen. I was working in dermatology offices, working in the lab, grossing slides. Um, grossing slides, for people that don't know, is when you do a biopsy and you take that little specimen of tissue, like a mole or whatever else you're looking to examine. It actually has to be processed, so I was processing that. Where I grew up in, um, outside of Dallas, Texas. And then spent summers also working with dermatologists, did a little bit of research in dermatopathology and dermatology. So really, I feel like I've been doing this since I was 19, because I started that when I was 19. And I still have so much more to learn, which tells you a lot about what's going on in
0: dermatology. Yeah, it seems like there's always something new every time you turn around, but you don't always know, know if it's real or not because there's just so much out there, right? There is so much
2: out there. Once in a while, I'll see an ad or I'll read something in a magazine or I'll see something online and it's about this like miracle product or this like miracle ingredient, you know, that I've like never heard of. And you have to check yourself a little bit because you think, how could I, how could I not, you know, maybe I do, maybe I don't know, maybe I'm not keeping up with it well enough or fast enough. And so you have to look in and I will tell you, you know, 99% of the time, it's an awful lot of marketing gimmicks and new hypes and clickbait that's out there, which makes me feel so bad for the consumer. Because the uneducated consumer, even yeah. frankly, the consumer that's trying to educate themselves can be misled so easily for marketing. And you could walk into a big box beauty store. And even as a dermatologist, right? I go in, and I'm kind of wooed by these products because mm-hmm. they're just packaged so beautifully. and They promise so much. And um, I have to remind myself, wait a second, look at the label, trust the science. This is not, you know, this is not what they're saying it is. But God, the urge is so strong because they do such a good job of presenting it to the
1: consumer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have so many questions about those sorts of things as we get into this. So let's start off right away then. Let's get right
1: into it. It's summer, we're right in the middle of it. SPF. Tell us, why is it important, but not only in the summer? I assume you have your patients use it year-round. And what's, what's the reason for that?
2: Well, okay, it's a good question. You know, people, when they think of sunscreen, they think of just sun. And when they think of sun, they think of summer. And so they assume they don't have to wear it the rest of the year. The reason that that is really um, a dangerous way to go through a year is that even though you're not getting as much sun, this is or it's not as warm, I should say, This is not a temperature issue. This is a radiation issue. And radiation is present to some degree year round. And when it comes to sun damage and skin damage, it's cumulative. So even if you're getting a minute a day or 30 seconds a day, at the end of the year, you're getting hours and hours of exposure to radiation. That is why people look 80 when they're 80. It's because they have 80 years of sun. And so if you can only protect yourself half the year, you're frankly still getting enough radiation that it's going to add up at some point, but you're still leaving yourself vulnerable to free radical damage, maybe not a sunburn, but free radical damage and skin cancer the rest of the year. Also, you know, these days when people are indoors, they sometimes neglect to put on their sunscreen. And that's also a bad way to go through life because although UVB is kind of what people usually think about when they think about um, protecting themselves from the sun, because That's what prevents the sunburn. UVA actually travels through light and glass. So if you're working in an office space that has windows, you're still getting radiation through. And if the idea of getting a skin cancer doesn't scare you enough, let me remind you, UVA is actually what ages you. So that's what's going to give you those wrinkles and those sunspots and those large pores. So for a multitude of reasons, you really need to put that sunscreen as a part of your daily regimen, just like brushing your teeth would be, just like washing and moisturizing would be. So multitask. Right. So rather than have to think about like 10 different things to put on, just make sure your sunscreen, your moisturizer are in one. Or for me, your sunscreen, your moisturizer, your anti-aging cream are in one. And that way you're always going to feel naked without it. I am uncomfortable when I leave the house without protection. So don't think about it too much. Just kind of sneak it into your regimen. That'll make it easier. Even if you have a simple regimen, it's got to have SPF in there.
1: What do you say to people that say, well, it's it's a cloudy so, day, it's raining, I don't see the sun, do I still need it?
2: Everybody knows a story of somebody who was outdoors all day and it wasn't sunny and they just didn't put on sunscreen. I mean, how many times have have you heard that? I hear it all day long, right? And they got burned. They didn't realize they got burned. Radiation goes through clouds. So don't be fooled by the temperature or what it looks like. Just protect yourself. And also sun damage comes in different forms. People are looking for that burn, but some people actually have very low, like many people actually have low levels of sun allergy. So maybe they're not burning, but they just feel a little dry and itchy from the radiation. I mean, it's radiation, right? It's what people get when they have breast cancer. It's radiation. It's the same thing. So, you know, um, Look for those subtle signs that you're not doing your skin any favors, that you're not doing a good enough job protecting your skin. It'll it'll remind you. Um, so I think the more you know, the more cautious you'll be. Our job is to educate people. But eventually, maybe, maybe when you see your first little wrinkle, that's usually when it starts. When you start to notice your pores getting a little big, maybe that's when it starts. But there's something that will motivate you. It tends to be more cosmetic than medical, and that's fine. I'll use whatever motivation I can. But you'll be motivated to put on your sunscreen daily, cloudy or not.
0: Yeah, and I can relate to that big time because I got my first basal cell when I was like young, like 30 or something. I remember it was like a couple of years after I got married and I was freaking out. And I've gotten like 10 since. I mean, I've I've had them everywhere. So ever since my first basal cell, game changer. Sunscreen every day. I sit in the shade. Katie knows I'm like a grandma. I will not be in the shade and I, I will not be in the sun. And in the sun, always a hat. Oh, I'm like so paranoid about it because I've had so many. I don't know from being fair, being in the sun, genetics. I mean, my dad is actually dark, but he's gotten a bunch of basal cells too. But um, yeah, so I'm super aware of it. But I feel like. Even though it's talked about so much still, most people are not thinking about it as much. And it's interesting that you say it's radiation. I never really think of it that way. I just think of it as like bright light and heat, but not the radiation part, which makes you feel like, they I really need to put it on. So do you recommend putting on SPF before everything else or after? Because I never know. That's because it's different depending
2: on what you're using. I think this is a part of the problem too is that there's different ways to protect yourself from the sun and there's different ingredients and um, there's different vehicles that they come in, meaning... So a vehicle would be like a cream versus a lotion versus a serum versus a spray versus an oil, right? There's just so many different forms of them. And that determines its place in your regimen. Most sunscreens would go on last. Like, let's say you're going to wash your face. You're going to pat you know, pat dry. You're going to moisturize. You would put on your sunscreen. And the only thing that would go on after that is maybe a little bit of makeup. That's how most of them work. But, you know, there's powder forms that you would also just do last. Even after you do your makeup, you would want that to sit on top. The big classifications for sunscreen come in mineral or physical versus chemical, right? Chemical needs to be absorbed into the skin. And it works by changing that radiation into a different form, typically heat. Versus a physical or mineral, which acts by shield. You know, it's basically a physical blocker, is where it gets its name from, and reflects the radiation away from your face. They work in different ways. They are both wonderful, but also depending on which one of those you're using, it may change how you apply it. I say, when in doubt, just you know, put it on after your moisturizer, and you
1: should be just fine. Do you have a favorite sunscreen? Okay, that's that good you to know. Yeah, what's your what do you what's your go-to?
2: So for me, um, I, and I change every few years, you know, I've evolved. So I had to do a starter sunscreen as I call it, which is just like super lightweight and feels like absolutely nothing and disappears and you don't even know you're wearing it. And that's how I started because as somebody who doesn't really wear makeup, I didn't like the feel of anything on my face. I hated it. And so that was Elta MD UV clear, which is like a cult favorite in the dermatology world. Okay. Super easy, simple. As I got older, it actually wasn't motivating enough, um, even for me as a dermatologist, to just have sunscreen. I just didn't feel like I wanted to put it on during the day. And so I switched to something that is made by a brand called Revision. It's Revision True Physical. I love this. I love this for a number of reasons. One is because actually the base is an anti-aging cream that always motivates me to put it on. It has a high SPF and it's a little bit tinted. So it goes on kind of like this beautiful sheer tint. It covers everything. I don't have to do anything else. I put on a vitamin serum. I put on my sunscreen. I am out the door and it is everything in one. I'm like a mama of three. I don't have time to do anything. So it goes on. I'm out the door. I'm super, super happy. What do I recommend for my patients? It really depends on what they want. I don't think patients realize that the, you know, the sunscreen game has evolved so much that there's really cosmetically elegant options out there for everything. Whatever you want, you can tell me whatever you want, and I will find you a sunscreen that is curated for those issues. Redness, dryness, anti-aging, wrinkles, um, you know, discoloration. You want something lightweight. You want something that has a little dewy look. You want something matte. Whatever you want you tell me, I know what's out there. I will, you know, point you into the right direction and I will help you find something you are obsessed with because that's my goal. I want you to be really motivated to do it. And if anti-aging motivates you, which it generally does this way, you know, for men, if super lightweight and pretend it's not even there motivates you, there you go. Um, so that's where I am now. True physical.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to have to um, follow up with you to get some of those <laughs> recommendations and we'll put it in our social media feed for our listeners. Cause that's such a, I never thought about it that way. Cause there are certain ones that I like and certain ones Katie likes, but I never thought about it based on like, if you're dry or if you're this, you just kind of grab the one that feels the best, but it's actually interesting to think about. I'm going to have to check out. I, that didn't, I didn't even so, know it
1: was offered. Good to know. That they had sunscreens for X, Y, Z, you know, I just thought it was like, one thing kind right. of across the board. So yeah, that that is great to know. Tell us a little bit about HelioCare and how does it fit into your daily skincare regimen?
2: So HelioCare is something that I caught on to many years ago. It is a supplement. It, can turn, it contains fern extract. This is like a fern that comes out of um, Costa Rica. And it is really exclusively grown and processed by this company. Um, it's actually patented with this fern block technology, right? And I'll tell you why that's important too. Um, but the purpose of this is to make you really a little bit less sensitive to sunlight. So I used to give it to patients that would get like sun allergies and itch a lot, or had sun sensitive conditions like lupus or melasma, which is discoloration you get in the sun. Um, and it was just part of my treatment regimen. It's, it's actually been around for a very long time, published immensely in the medical journals. Most dermatologists know about it, but it also helps neutralize free radical damage because it's just filled with antioxidants, right? And so when you're thinking about your skin aging, you always think about ultraviolet radiation, but this is completely flawed thinking because we know that your skin (coughs) will age worse in a city environment than it would in a country environment, right? Just due to other free radical damaging agents, whether it's pollution and smoking and all this other stuff, like visible light, all those things age us. It discolors our skin. It breaks down our collagen. It breaks down the elastin. um, And it just makes us look saggy and baggy and old with time. And so you actually need more than just sunscreen to protect your skin from aging, right? Sunscreen protects us from sun. But like I said, there's so many other things that will cause oxidative stress and free radical damage. So, I started taking helio care for that purpose. I mean, I consider it something that kind of really helps my sunscreen in some way, but also protects me against all the other aspects of what I consider to be aging factors in the environment. Um, And I I mean, I just can't speak highly enough about it. You know, I just started working with this company um, this past year, and, you know, I still don't know why it's not like insanely popular I don't know I don't know what it is you know I've spoken to a lot of dermatologists about it we're like is it the packaging I guess it's kind of boring you know I don't know what it is but um, boy my whole family's on it my husband's on it I have like literally this is my desk you're seeing me at the office it's sitting right here just in case I actually forget (laughs) it before I leave the house I have it here. Do you just take one a day? I mean, you, you actually can take two. What I normally do is I'll take one. And then if I plan on being out again during the day, like if I'm walking around on the weekends, I'll take another one about an hour later. On vacation, I definitely will take two. If I'm like pulled someplace on and I get like forced to go to the beach, I'll always have it there. Um, and then I just take one a day normally when I you know before I come to the office, like when I'm dropping the kids off at school, because there's like a little bit of a walk there as well. Um, And so now it's just part of my daily routine.
0: So the the recommendation would be to use HelioCare and obviously your SPF. So it's like the internal and the external in a way. And would something like that help with basal cells? Like, would it be beneficial to take that if you're prone to getting basal cells like I am? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, (sighs) the closest I can say
2: is free radical damage can cause skin cancers. Heliocare helps neutralize free radical damage. Does that make sense? So in my mind, Yeah, so it can't hurt, in other words. (laughs) Right. I mean, not only can it not hurt, I do feel like it helps a lot. There is another version of Heliocare, actually, that contains a form of vitamin B called niacinamide that actually we have many studies in the medical literature that shows that does help prevent against skin cancers. And so if I have a patient that is prone and has many uh, skin cancers in the past, or I think has a higher risk of developing skin cancers, I'll actually recommend that for them. They have another version called Care Ultra that has extra antioxidants in it. That's really, in some ways, I think of it more as like a anti-aging booster supplement. If you think about supplements though, it's really important to remember that It's not FDA regulated, right? This is not considered like a medication. It's considered an extract, a supplement. And so any company can just like say they're doing the same thing and get that plant and kind of grind it up. But you can't do that when it comes to your own health. So I don't like doing random knockoffs or whatever it is, because I don't even know what part of the plant they're using, right? Like the whole plant doesn't have the same level of actives. The leaves have the important part. That's really what protects it from the sun in Costa Rica. So what allows this plant to stay so viable in really difficult, arid, dry conditions sometimes, right? That's what makes it stay so healthy and strong. If you're going to grind up the root and put it in a pill, it's not going to do the same thing. So I'm really adamant with my patients that, you know, we don't experiment when it comes to extracts and supplements, I only want the stuff that's been studied. I only want the thing that's in the medical journal. So, you know, that's that's HelioCare. And, you know, it's just one other thing you can do. You eat healthy too. You want the right antioxidants in your diet. You want the right anti-inflammatory things in your diet. Um, you're going to know if you're treating your body poorly and your skin is going to show if you're treating it really well. And that means from the outside and also means from the inside.
1: It's so true because I have definitely been not doing my best lately with my diet, stress eating a little bit, and I can see it. I see it like all over my face. I see it in like the little dehydration wrinkles that sometimes I have, and sometimes I don't have. And like, you know, when your face is like inflamed or so I really can see it in your face and then you break out more and all of that can be linked right back to everything you're consuming. Right.
2: Absolutely. The skin shows everything. I mean, it really is just a reflection of what's happening on the inside, how you're feeling and how you are treating yourself, whether you're sleeping, whether you have a good diet, whether you're getting enough water, whether you're giving it the right tools to defend itself, which is a huge part of it. I mean, if you're just going to go eat whatever you wanted and then go to sleep and you never brushed your teeth, think about what happened to your teeth. They would literally degrade with cavities. Right? You would lose them. Your skin requires the same amount of self care and maintenance. Otherwise, if you're not giving it what it needs to protect itself, it falls apart. And you know that because when you look at beautiful skin, it looks so healthy. It like glows, doesn't it? And when you're looking at somebody who clearly doesn't take care of themselves, you can see it in their face. There's nobody that doesn't take care of themselves that has this like gorgeous,
0: you know, glowy skin. There's just some things you can't fake.
1: Right. I love that
0: yeah i I totally agree, and I'm so um it's like the older I get, the more I'm noticing people's skin and like obsessed with getting my skin to be clear and even and that kind of moves on to the next thing we wanted to talk to you about is how to even out skin tone because there's all this um talk about retinol and retinoids and tretinoin and all of this stuff, and can you break down for us like what it is, the differences, what we should and shouldn't do. I started experimenting with a retinoid, but like, I don't really know much about it. I just feel like there's so much information. It's hard to know what it is and what it's for and all of that. If you could just give us the one hundred and one on that, we'd love it.
2: This is the, one of the simplest part of the anti-aging regimen is the retinoid. Okay. So retinoids are vitamin A derivatives. That's all they are. Vitamin A derivatives. And we know that this class of vitamin A derivatives can stimulate collagen and stimulate cell turnover and help give you fresh, healthy, new skin. So if you think about it, old skin is kind of like damaged skin. New skin is healthy and youthful looking. And so if you can get that cell to turn over faster, create new skin cells, stimulate more collagen, replace the old tissue, it's going to look beautiful and youthful and young, right? Full of bounce, less wrinkles, smaller pores, smooth, even out the tone because you're getting rid of the old skin cells that's your retinoid that's just a that is a just umbrella term for everything else that we're going to talk about retinoid now got it retinol is an active form that you can get over the counter so you'll find a lot of products at your local drugstore will contain retinol which is also also right in a derivative we're still talking about the same class but has to be converted to retinoic acid in the skin after it's been absorbed. So it's weaker. It takes longer to get to the active form. It's more gentle, right? It's not going to dry you as much, but you're also not going to see the improvement as quickly. You will see improvement. It's not that it's not going to work. It will work, but because it's inactive and it's a couple steps away in that that sort of pathway, it's just, you know, it's not as dramatic sometimes. That's all. Tretinoin, which um, you also mentioned. Tretinoin is actually a prescription retinoid. That is closer to the active form. So when you put that on your skin, you actually start to see the improvement sooner. It's a little bit more dramatic. It is closer to the form that actually does something. It's a little bit farther down the pathway. The downside to that, of course, is that retinoids have an adjustment period where your skin has to get used to them because they're getting the cells to turn over faster and they're doing what they need to do. They shrink down the oil glands a little bit. And so if you are too aggressive with your retinoid use, your skin's going to feel a little bit dry. It might even freak out a little bit, get red. You could flare an underlying condition like rosacea if you use it you know, too much, too fast, but if used properly, tiny little bits to the whole face, a couple times a week, maybe mix it with moisturizer, you know, ease in, like dip your toe in a little bit with the retinoid, even if it's tretinoin, your skin actually will often adapt beautifully. And with time we'll get used to it, and then with time we'll show its benefit. So, you know, there's really no downside to being on a retinoid. You know, we don't really recommend them or prescribe them if you are pregnant or breastfeeding. Although I will tell you the caveat to that, if you're really up to date on your literature, actually there is a third generation retinoid that is safe in pregnancy and breastfeeding. So I do recommend that. And I certainly did that for myself for all three of my babies. Um, So, you know, we grow and we evolve and there's something for everyone. But I do think on some level, A retinoid should be somewhere in your regimen. There is just literally no reason for it not to be. And just like you were saying about sunscreens, how to pick the right sunscreen, I can do the same thing with a retinoid. You can tell me what your skin issues are in the sense of like, do I have rosacea? Do I have eczema? Do I have dry skin? I tried a retinoid, I freaked out once, whatever. And I will give you the right retinoid to use that will be tolerable. I really have yet to find someone that hasn't been able to tolerate at least one of the retinoids that I recommend.
0: Yeah, we're we're definitely going to follow up with you on that too, because so it sounds like you should do some sort of retinoid. It's a PM treatment, right? You do it at night. That's correct. And then someone would do either a retinol or a tretinoin. They wouldn't do both because essentially it's the same thing. One's just stronger than the other. Exactly. So there's no
2: need to do both. You can start with a retinol if you really want to ease in. Get used to that and then move on to a prescription strength retinoid like Tretinoin And if you want, or you know, actually, now they have a prescription strength um, retinoid over the counter, even right? Because Adaplan's in like proactive MD, it's like it used to be prescription, now it's over the counter. Um, so it's there, but um, you could ease into it slowly, see how your skin does, make sure that you don't have an issue, you don't get too dry. But yes, so what you would do really if you want to have like this perfect skincare regimen is you start your morning by washing your face very gently, patting dry. And then what you would do is you would put on a vitamin serum of sorts, which would be your antioxidant, right? That's going to neutralize free radical damage topically. Put on your sunscreen. I take my helio care. And then in the evening, you wash your face. You pat dry. You put on your retinoid of choice and maybe a couple other things that hopefully all come in one one product. So you're not putting on 15 different products like the koreans do we're american we want like the multitasker right <laughs> like one or two and thankfully we have those products that do everything we want in one so i put on another product that has you know antioxidants and peptides and both factors and all these other things that we also know helps with anti-aging i mean Anti-aging to me is kind of the dumbest term ever because what does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything do you mean anti-aging. What does aging mean, right? When you're talking about skin, it's actually broken down on many different levels, right? It's your skin is drying out more. You have discoloration. You have some redness, maybe some browns. You're losing collagen. You know, you've lost elasticity. They're like actual pathways that have been taking place in your skin that when you put it all together, makes you look old. So when you're anti-aging, this is not just like one thing that you're trying to fix. You're trying to fix all those different parts of the skin. This is an organ that have all now shifted as you've gotten older and are reacting to the stressors from the environment. So you want things that help you maintain moisture and hold on to moisture and help stimulate collagen and elastin and help remove the pigment and help smooth the skin. and, And there really is no magic bullet for that. As close as retinoids come, they don't do everything, right? So you really want to make sure you're addressing different aspects of the anti-aging picture, as we put it.
0: Yeah. I wish I knew about retinoids earlier. I re- I like learned about it, I guess, over the last, I don't know, six months or so. And I started using this brand called The Ordinary, you know, that brand. And I, I can't remember how much it is. This so cheap. Be- Point five percent, yeah, it's it's super cheap, and it's. I heard it was good, but I didn't know there's all these different percentages, and I was just like, oh, I'll just get this one because it seems like a lower percentage. Is it is there a cap that like an over the counter versus prescription? How do you know what concentration to buy? Yeah, it, or what percentage?
2: The Reality is is even forget even the over the counter, even in the prescription world. Honest to goodness, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the the dirty secret with a lot of this stuff is that most of the time the patent is running out on a brand and they need something else to patent, right? And so then they go from like, you know, whatever it is, 0.05 to 0.06. Okay. Does it really, really, really matter? No, of course it doesn't matter. Does it make a huge difference? No, it's literally the same thing. But they have to kind of create these new um, proprietary patented percentages in order to stay branded, you know, in order to justify whatever price for something that is exclusive. Right. And so that's where you see all these different numbers popping out in medicine and even, frankly, over the counter. It doesn't really make a difference to me. It's over the counter and then it's prescription. And I have patients that come in and they say, oh, I've I've been doing like the, the, you know, the 0.05 now for a year. Can I go to the 0.1? You know, and I'm thinking, OK, you know, it's like not even worth the arguments anymore. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, but to me, it's more like the gel is a little bit stronger than the cream. that kind of stuff, all right, fine, a little bit more, a little better absorption or certain classes of retinoids, first generation, second, third, you know, sometimes work a little bit differently. Yeah, mine's like a serum. Right. That tends to be, so yours is over the counter, right? This is the ordinary over the counter one. Yeah, it's like a drop. I like serums. They tend to be a little bit more potent. Don't even worry about the percentage. I think it's going to be really gentle. I love the ordinary, mostly because you said, oh, it's low or something. I said, oh yeah, it's cheap, right? That was like, I wasn't even thinking of the percentage. I was thinking of the price because that's actually the thing I love the most about this company. They make good products, but also they're just they're just so reasonably priced and like rationally priced. Like there are some things that are worth shelling right. out for. I shell out for them. There's some things that are expensive and they're just expensive and they're worth every penny. But then there's some things that are like expensive and they're supposed to be cheap. And like, why aren't they cheap? They should be so cheap for people. And these companies just like inflate the price. Um, so I like The Ordinary. I've been impressed with their stuff. I'm happy. And I'm super happy with their price point because that means everyone should be able, hopefully, to do something like that or add it to their regimen.
0: So you could start doing retinoids as young as you want. Like there's is What's the age people should start? Any age? Does it well, matter? Well, a lot of
2: people are on retinoids really, really young for acne, right? Because we use it to treat acne too. You can even put them on babies. I mean, you know, you could do it for whatever age you want. Now, from an anti-aging standpoint, I find if you're old enough to ask about it, you're old enough to use it, right? You know, I think I'm not, I'm not so negotiable with the sunscreen. I think that everyone should be wearing sunscreen, you know, six months older if you're going to be outdoors, throw a little something on. But I think with retinoids, well, I don't think 20 is too young. I think you got to preserve what you have. You know, it's a lot harder to repair your skin, a lot harder to repair your skin. It is a heck of a lot easier to preserve what you have. Plus it always looks better when you've preserved what you've gotten naturally than trying to recreate
0: the way you were, which can't be done. It's just expensive and exhausting, you know, but, um, (laughs) right. It's like, I wish I, I I wish I knew about all the skin stuff that I know now when I was in my twenties, like the only thing I was doing then was like eye cream. But other than that, (laughs) no retinoids probably sunscreen here and there. You're not like, thinking you're not about it. About you don't it. have a single wrinkle on your face. Yeah. I,
1: it's <laughs> exactly. good to know that you can get these retinols for a good price. I definitely overpaid on my serum that I've been using. So now I'm going to go find the ordinary. I find that
2: sometimes. Honest to God, I have patients that come in and they're using like La Mer or whatever other like major expensive, you know, skincare company product. And I don't even pull it, pull it away from that. I don't take their toys away because I do, you know, I'll tell them it's really expensive. Like you don't have to use that We There are other things and they'll say something. Oh, but I like it. And I think, you know what? Okay. I like that you're taking care of yourself. And I like that they have this ritual and they, they're investing in their skin and maybe they're paying too much, but it makes them feel so good. And I think that's ultimately what you're paying for too. It's not that they don't work. These products, they've, some of them have good ingredients in them for sure. And I think once they've been educated to at least know that they don't have to if they don't want to, but they just like that product. They like seeing that product. They like seeing that label, you know, that psychological effect. I'm okay. I actually, frankly, I'm okay with that too. I have people that pay an awful lot for super crazy expensive sunscreen. You know what? If you're going to put it on every day, you know what we say? The best sunscreen is the one you actually wear. So if you love the way it smells and feels and looks and you paid 200 bucks for it, and there are sunscreens that cost 200 bucks. Okay. I'm all right with it. As long as they know.
1: I've definitely had a little bit of a journey with the the retinoids and everything. My doctor put me on, how do you say, tretinoin a year ago because I was having all of this crazy adult acne. All of a sudden, I hadn't had acne since I was a teenager, and then it came on. And then that was too strong for me. It was, I think it was like a rosacea situation, like a lot of really dry patchiness. So then I've downgraded to this serum, and that's still, I mean, you have to kind of play play with what works for your skin. Don't you think? I mean, I was doing it every night and I realized that's too much. Then I did a couple nights a week. Now I'm doing it. I do it one night a week and it seems to not like over dry me out. But do you think it's fair to say that that people, if you don't have a dermatologist, that's directly telling you how to use it to just kind of like ease yourself in, play around with how many nights, how often you should be using it?
2: I do. I think that's totally fine. I think what what happened to you is really classic. People will have this underlying rosacea they're not aware of and they're treating their their acne and they'll get started on a retinoid and it will flare their rosacea very, very badly, which is super distressing, especially when you came in and you're already upset about a couple pimples. And then to have a rosacea flare, it can be kind of devastating, whether you're younger or or older. I don't think it even matters at that point. Um, So... Yes. I think you, you know, if you don't have a dermatologist telling you how to do it, you always start just slow and low. It's not a race. It may feel like you're trying to make up for lost time, but it's not a race. And even if you can only use it once or twice a week, great. I'm fine with it. You know, there are little tricks that you can use to try and make your skin a little more, um, you know, tolerable, tolerable, I guess, or you make the retinoid a little more tolerable for your skin. And that's make sure your skin is dry when you apply it. Applying it to wet skin increases absorption. Put on a moisturizer before you put on your retinoid, whether it's a retinol or a tretinoin, mix it, dilute it down, you know, and then, like I said before, once or twice a week at most. And those things will help you. They will. But again, if you're not sure where to look and you've tried everything, I I promise you there's some retinoids that have been compounded with hyaluronic acid that make it anti-inflammatory and and hydrating. There are some that are compounded with a whole slew of anti-inflammatory antioxidants, which offset the irritation profile. So this is not a new field or a new problem. And you better believe that companies have already been on this and looking for a solution for years now. So there's plenty of options out there, even for sensitive skin, if
0: you want to get started on a retinoid.
1: That's great. That That's great information.
0: You were mentioning, I want to go back when you were talking about the regimen, like in the morning and you were saying you put on a vitamin mm-hmm. serum, what kind of vitamin, like a C or what, what do you suggest? So C is the most popular
2: one. The one that I use actually has like a bunch of different types in there, including C and E. So um, I use this brand called Skin Better Science. There's like a lot of studies on it. You know, we have to, we, we trust the science in medicine always. So, as much as you want to like go with a product that says like 70% of people thought they looked brighter, well, you, you can't. That's just not the way it works in medicine. It has to be studies and clinical trials, and we need to be able to see what it's actually doing black and white. So, most of the, most actually all of the products that I use fall into that category, you know, like science backed. So, I use a pump of that in the morning and it's just chock full of antioxidants, including C and E, the primary ones, if we're going to try to keep it simple. And um, that will basically just try to neutralize free radical garbage they come in contact with during the day. I live in Manhattan, you know how it is. And also I'm in front of a screen, whether it's a laptop or a TV or a phone, you know, we know now that like visible light will actually impact the way your skin looks too, by creating more pigment, triggering melasma, causing aging decide not to scare anyone but um so you know I kind of put that on to, think of it as like an invisible shield underneath my sunscreen do you do moisturizer then after the sunscreen I don't. or you do moisturizer I actually before? don't um I don't moisturize because my sunscreen is hmm. like I said multitasking you know so it's it's a moisturizing anti-aging tinted sunscreen and, oh. and it, yeah the one you told us and about. okay got it so ahead. there's a lot there's a lot to this right so it's like tinted so if you're going to block block visible light right? Which I just told you about how it damaged, right? So if you want to block visible light, you can only block it with something tinted. You cannot block visible light with something invisible. So as of now, we have not come up with, you know, we've not invented a way to block visible light with just regular invisible sunscreens that like melt into your skin. So it really has to be something tinted that does that. So this covers all of my bases. Plus it's a physical block or a mineral one, which, um, you know, it's kind of, Like less likely to irritate, which I which I like, um, if your skin's a little bit sensitive. But yeah, so it's really like the way I'm I'm deciding what to use is actually very very well thought out for many many reasons. Even though we kind of make it sound really simple to our patients sometimes. And believe it or not, this isn't even the only sunscreen on the market that does this stuff. Like there's a a lot of other options that kind of do the same thing that are tinted, that are high SPF, that are anti aging, that are moisturizing. Um, But one may feel a little different. One may smell a little different. So you get to kind of try and see what you like, but...
0: I feel like there's also conflicting information on a moisturizer with an SPF versus just a separate SPF. Because you hear people say, no, just use a moisturizer and then use a separate SPF. And then some people say to combine it. So it's like... You never know, but I'm going to listen to you because you obviously know what you're <laughs> yeah. talking about, but it's like, you it, it's, there's just so much information it out is. there that for people, I'm glad we're talking to you because I always was like, oh, I don't want to get one of those mixes. Cause I don't know if it's <gasps> as works as well as if you just put regular sunscreen Absolutely. on, you know what I mean? It
2: does. You just have to make sure you're applying the right amount, right? Like it's the same thing with like mm-hmm. your sunscreen and your makeup. That is, I don't mind it, but if you're not applying enough to get the SPF on the label, which is like, you know, like two milligrams per you know centimeter squared of skin, or as we like to say it now, just like the two finger length rule, you kind of have to put two strips on your fingers and then you use that to rub into your face and neck. And if you're not using that much of whatever you're putting on, you're not going to get the SPF that's labeled on the bottle. You're going to be selling yourself a little bit short. So for situations like that, if you know you're putting on enough, which you should be for the stuff that feels like moisturizer and it's going to go on like moisturizer. You're going to be fine. There's no need for anything else.
0: The other say problem, that again? I think,
2: Amy, is that... Yeah. That, oh, that was two, a really good tip. Two finger length width. Two finger lengths amount, I should say. So you kind of put the strip on your two fingers. Your index oh, I don't and your know middle. if I put that much on. Yes. Okay. Well, this is for face and neck, right? This is for both your face and neck. If you're going to be going out, we want to mm-hmm. remember that kind of not to neglect this area under the chin. And you rub it. You'd be actually surprised at how well it goes in. Rub, 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 rub on the neck
1: that's it. Nice. That's great. I've yeah, definitely not, not been bad. using not enough. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have either. I'm I mean, like using a pea size. size that's mean, good to know.
2: I mean, that's another reason not to use low SPFs, right? You lose a, you use a low SPF and you don't apply enough. You're getting even less than the SPF you thought you were, right? If you're using an SPF 15 and you're applying it just weekly and lightly, what are you getting?
0: Like an SPF 5? but if you use a
2: higher spf right. you know so keep those things in mind too
0: so what what's the minimum spf you should use like 40 or
2: i think shooting for 30 higher, is or higher. what you were saying before is like you don't know who to listen to there's like the other thing that always occurs to me when people say things like this is that there's just an awful lot of people talking right now and i think a lot of people truly feel like they have the podium and the right to speak and they know about skin but they actually don't know anything about skin you know, these like skin experts never even studied skin. They just, it's all, you know, anecdotal evidence that they've tried and used and want to share their experience, but then present themselves as actual experts. And it really confuses the consumer because there's so much noise because everyone wants a seat at the table. But at the end of the day, honest to God, just trust the physicians, please just trust the physicians. Let me know. <laughs> you know, we spent like our absolutely whole lives studying, studying this stuff. I mean, it's, it's easy to think you know what's going on because you can see the skin. And so everyone feels like they have this personal experience with their skin that they want to share. But there is so much going on underneath the surface. You know, it's an organ like anything else. It has its own unique immune system. It has It's like, to me, one of the most fascinating things in the body, the skin.
0: We hope you enjoyed part one of Dr. Nazarian's episode. We found it to be very insightful. Stay tuned for part two next week where she goes through all things, dark circles under your eyes, fillers, eye surgery, body sculpting, and a game-changing injectable for cellulite. So stay tuned for part two next week. Bye for now.